The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, everyone. Today, the theme of the ACB Membership Committee Seminar is the benefits of having partnerships for membership growth. And we have two different panels. Um, the first panel is how to find and establish partnerships. And we have three speakers for this panel. We have Alan Peterson from North Dakota. We have Danette Dixon from the ACB Diabetics, and then myself. So I'm going to let Alan go first, and then Danette, you can go second, and I'll go last. Yes. Uh, well, North Dakota Association of the Blind, we, uh, we have uh, programs like summer camp, our summer camp for adults that we have the second week in August, and we partner with uh, Elks Camp, what's called Elks Camp Grassy. We've been doing this for many, many years, and uh, it is our, our prime program. Uh, it is what kind of, I, I believe, is what uh, holds our organization together. It's the glue that keeps us. We have people that come from around the state, and uh, we establish friendships, and those friendships uh, continue throughout the year, have continued throughout the years. Uh, and we have, uh, the Lions, uh, we have many of the Lions clubs in uh, the major cities around the state that provide transportation to come to the camp. So that, those are two groups that we collaborate with for our summer camp. Uh, uh, we, well, we, we, uh, we established with, uh, the summer camp uh, location. Uh, it is, it is, something that we've had for many, many years. We had to investigate uh, to find this camp. Initially, uh, it has uh, sidewalks to any, all the buildings. So anyone who doesn't have sight can, uh, can get to the buildings by using their, their cane techniques. So another program that we have is Dining in the Dark that we've started recently with Alliance Club in Minot. Uh, and um, one of our members is a member of the Lions Club. Uh, so that was uh, fortuitous. So uh, they sell tickets to this Dining in the Dark. And, and, and uh, uh, we, we uh, collaborate with the, the Minot Lions Club and, and we act as table hosts for for each of the tables where uh, people from the community come to learn about eating without sight. Uh, so, and, and that's been a great program for us. Uh, it, it opens, pardon the pun, it opens the eyes of the sighted to our world. And um, another program that we have started with, with COVID was our partnership with the uh, North Dakota Vision Services School for the Blind. 
and we have uh, we we've had programs that are on Zoom, uh, and so this has been uh, very very beneficial to us, particularly uh, during the, the pandemic. And so we had uh, programs on technology and anything of interest, book club, uh, uh, daily living daily living skills, uh, and those programs were. Uh, produced or are offered uh, during the week. Um, some some are uh, offered weekly or biweekly. So, um, that, uh, and we also uh, one of our major fundraisers is uh, with the Dakota Medical Foundation, and that's uh, through. It's a not, that's a nonprofit organization that helps people or helps uh, rather organizations that are uh, nonprofits with fundraising. And we, we have been a part of that for seven years. And we learn from other organizations on, on their techniques and for, for fundraising. So, uh, and, and we found them uh, through um, just being tuned in to the nonprofit community in North Dakota. I think that's basically what I have to offer. Okay, Danette, would you like to go next? Certainly. So I'm going to connect this at a different way than, and <clears throat> than Ellen did. I'm going to call it networking and connecting. I'm involved in many different different groups like a puppy raising club for guide dogs for the blind and my my guide dog is they love it when I come because my guide dog is their puppy's example so if, if our Washington Council of the Blind needs someone to help chaperone not chaperone but but be a be, be a volunteer at our state convention I have puppy raisers leaders that will totally volunteer and love they get so much enjoyment of watching all the, not just my guide dog, but all the rest of the puppies and all the rest of the blind people helping them around. And I'm involved with um, a Lions Club. With the Lions Club, I like them. I want them to see my abilities, not my disabilities. So I will run Zoom meetings for them. I will t I'm will. i very involved with <clears throat> what's called Knights of the Blind. So they want to know all about what Knights of the Blind. And with Washington Council of Blind, I um, started a diabetic group here in Washington. And so they want to support us. And that, that's what they'll like when we do... Um, giving give big they will donate half goes to washington council of the blind and half goes to our diabetic group and even my church friends and i volunteer at children's hospital even my, my friends want to know all what i do all the volunteer things that i do so i tell them they get excited i talk it up they, they they get excited about it and then they want to come help be a volunteer or come help us um like talk about talk talk educate the elementary schools and th that's just how I because I'm involved with many different um nonprofit 
and that that's just how I do do um, get the volunteers. I might be in charge of getting volunteers for our convention, so I will ask the populators, the lions, the people at church, or people that I volunteer with, and then they will ask people, and they will ask people, and they will love doing it, and they'll come back again next year. That's just it's about networking and connecting. So yeah. Thank you, Danette. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, um, a state, of, state of, uh, or special interest affiliate can do is to look at groups that might identify with you that you could a partnership on a, a particular event. For example, uh, the veterans uh, groups, blinded veterans groups uh, and the Veterans Association, they have their visually impaired impaired outreach committee, they're this coordinators. So if you find out the ones that are in your community, you can reach out to them and tell them about your organization and how you're willing to assist their blind uh, clients. And they're very willing to work with you because they wanna help their clients give them some support. Other groups you can work, reach out to are like independent living centers. They're always looking for presentations that might help some of their individuals that they are working with on a day-to-day basis. Um, advocacy groups. There are other advocacy groups that have similar needs to what um, your ACB affiliate might have. I know in California, we've been working with a couple on for seniors, and um, we know that blind seniors have different things they need versus other seniors, but, you know, they have tied up with the department on aging. And there's um, other groups that have similar uh, projects. And if you can find out what they are, then talk to them about looking at it from their side. Why would they want you to partner with them? And if you can find commonality, they're going to be more willing to work with you and the future on your endeavors. I wanted to um, um, ask you um, in the audience, we'd like to hear from those of you, if you have ideas on how you found partnerships, how have you established them in your uh, state or special interest affiliate? And then after we hear from a few of you, then we will go to our second panel on what we can learn from each other on different partnerships. So the uh, first question, if you would raise your hand, if your state or special interest affiliate has worked with other affiliate, other uh, groups, let us know what they are and how you found them. Well, artists, thank you for the question. This is uh, Ray Campbell from Illinois. And um, um, I'll talk about partnerships that we develop working on this convention uh, and getting, especially getting volunteers. Um, in order to recruit volunteers, we reached out to a number of organizations and um, that included the Lions. Uh, the, there, there are three Lions districts in this area. We reached out to them. We went to the state Lions convention, uh, reached out to them. Um, we worked with some, several corporations, um, and uh, 
uh, just various organizations in the community to not only work mainly for volunteers, but also to find some some good tour opportunities for folks and uh, uh, various things like that. So I think um, I think partnerships are important for can, can be important for membership growth, but I also think um, as has been illustrated here that they can be important for a lot of things that your affiliates were doing. We certainly found that out working on this convention. Um, yeah, in Hawaii, we what we have started just recently is a what we call holo holo shoppers. In other words, let's go shopping um, program with the veterans as well as the uh, elder seniors. But a lot of them are some of them are our ven, uh, veterans that come out, and what we do with them is we take them shopping, and at the same time, they're being assessed by licensed O&M uh, instructors, and should there be a need for someone who, who looks like they need a new cane or a new tip for their cane or and something like that, then the O&M instructor can be that person to issue that out, taking the responsibility off of the organization so that we're not liable should something go wrong with it. But we have partnered with um, the O&Ms as well as the Veterans of, um, Association. I have a question for the gentleman who spoke first. You mentioned, I think, standing in the dark. How did you get your public awareness out about that program? Yeah, it's dining, it's dining in the dark, yes. Yeah, uh, there was... Uh, uh, word of mouth, as well as uh, articles in the news media in the Minot area, that they they promoted it in the community. Uh, they sold tickets, uh, and uh, the public uh, bought these tickets, and then uh, they came to the event and uh, learned about uh, learned about our organization, North Dakota Association of the Blind. And about our abilities to to to, to be independent, uh, to to uh, you know, I suppose a lot of people can't imagine how uh, a person could eat without seeing. So we do it very well. I see one here. <laughs> Thank you. One of the other things, as you've probably noticed this week at the ACB convention, quite a few vendors of different products for the blind or services have worked with ACB by um, giving us generous sponsorships. And then in the, doing that, we've also learned all the updates from those products and services. So it's benefited us as the members, as well as benefited the organization by being able to cover many of the costs of a convention so we don't lose money because we get enough sponsors and exhibitors. And I know uh, Randall Shepherd Vendors of America does the same with their conference in February. We have a Sagebrush um, National BEP training conference, and uh, most of our funding for that conference comes from sponsors and exhibitors because the fees that are charged to the people attending um, generally don't cover all of the um, meals even, let alone the other things. So uh, the sponsors and exhibits are really important. 
And I think we have to remember that when we reach out for partnerships, especially for sponsors and exhibitors, we don't have to think of just blindness specific products. So there are a lot of um, companies out there that are willing to sell to anyone. I noticed here at the convention, you know, like Marketplace, we had somebody selling oils and uh, we've had other people, you know, selling things that anyone would like. So I think we really have to be open to looking at all kinds of people to work with and different projects. And they don't necessarily have to be blindness specific at the outside. We just have to be willing to share the name of our organization and um, tell them the benefits of working with us. Because a lot of our members don't get out and about as much to find out new products and services. So if we can bring people in that are willing to share their benefits and commonalities with us and why we'd want to purchase from them, that'll benefit both groups. Deanna, you may go ahead. Okay. Um, in Missouri, we have a very strong relationship with our radio reading service. We raise, <laughs> we provide money to them and they assist us in many ways. We have a relationship with the St. Louis Society for the Blind. They give us a large donation towards lowering the cost of attending summer camp both the summer camps for children and, and the um, adult summer camp or family summer camp at a, at a uh, lodge. And right now we're in the process of putting together our White Cane Safety Walk. We have a dynamic recreational activity um, coordinator. And so we'll be having that in our capital city. And she's already lining up um, the governor to give a white cane um, proclamation, the mayor to come out and greet us, um, various businesses that will donate everything from ice cream and soda and snacks, um, prizes, um, people that will assist us setting up so that even our seniors who may not be able to do a 5K walk with a white cane can walk from, um, at 10 foot intervals and sit down. <laughs> so um, we're doing what we can to educate the community about what a white cane is for and how it's used. And if we can get some politicians out there that will go under blindfold, we'll do whatever we can to make our activity um, newsworthy in our capital. And hopefully get some more um, recognition of what um, blind people do. Um, so we are asking all of our affiliates to sponsor a team and um, sign up fundraiser, you know, fundraising pages, just as you do with a Brenda, Brenda Dillon walk. So um, we're actively educating and raising money for our organization at the same time. Thank you. This is not a question. It's more of a comment. Um, a lot of what has been shared is things that I would have said. However, what I would add to that, so I'm not repeating anything, and I would agree with a lot of it. Uh, what I would add is that when you are doing an event, make sure you know the big picture of your event and make your ask to your sponsors and individuals and companies and organizations. But in making that ask, also try to remember to ask everyone, you know, those individual 
people, organizations, sponsors, what you as an organization may be able to do for them because that may, and they may not be able to do anything at the moment to sponsor your event or to partner with you, but in the future they may be able to. And also if the answer is at this time, no, unfortunately we cannot help add them, ask if it is okay to add them to a newsletter and then they are kept abreast of what you are doing. And likewise, see if there's a way that you can keep in contact with them. So it, it goes both ways and absolutely educating. You know, let's take the village. We are all in this together. And thank you. Uh, one question is, could uh, someone put like tips and tricks for like the dining in the dark out on the leadership list? Uh, this is Glenn from West Virginia, by the way. Uh, we've discussed doing that in West Virginia. I think it'd be a really cool thing to do. Uh, the second thing, uh, the Potomac Valley chapter of Mountain State Council of the Blind has had a lot of success with blindfold bolathons. Um, so what we've done is um, partnered with the local bowling alley uh, up in Moorfield, West Virginia, and we have one standard regular bowling guide rail, and we have made three others out of PVC pipe, and we have um, two games, one with the guide the bumper rails up and the second with the rails down and the scores are averaged together to get their uh, points if people are uh, pledging per point uh, it's been a really uh, good event we really raised a lot of money and, and had a lot of support from the community with that so one more over here um in hawaii to answer the question, first of all, of other partnerships outside of the blindness community or the blindness perspective, in Hawaii, we have our um, goal of trying to do a blindness awareness fair. And this year coming up, what we decided to do was actually have a fair and we're bringing in massage therapists as a draw. We're also bringing in a um, local group, you know, mu musical group that is very popular in Hawaii. And we also having sponsorship from United Airlines and having those folks come and help out as volunteers throughout um, the event during the, the course of the event. So it's not all about blindness related, you know, not everybody that's there is has something to do with blindness. You know, it's, it's not like their, their auntie, uncle, or mother has, or father has blindness. It's, it's just simply that they're there because they want to support the organization. I'm glad you mentioned the bowling because that reminds me there's also beatball. Um, there's communities throughout the United States who have beatball. So um, you're, the state and local affiliates could look around and see there's those programs. And I know in California and the, and the West Coast, there are different areas where they have other sporting things that they do, like tandem bike rides and uh, boating outings, et cetera. So I think it's real important to search online for anything that just search under the word blind or um, activities, et cetera, and see what pops up. You know, that's really a good way to find some of them. And then once you contact them, make sure, like that person said before, uh, show them that there's benefits to working with you, not just that you want them, but that how 
you could help them because a lot of times it's very mutual. <clears throat> okay, now we're gonna go to panel two. Um, it's a slightly take on the same topic. Uh, what can you learn from affiliates that are currently doing partnerships? And for this panel, we have um, Teresa D. Thomas, who is the executive director um, for the Bluegrass Council of the Blind. And I think she's on Zoom and she'll be first. And then if Alan has any other things to share about uh, uh, how people can learn from the partnerships. And then we also have Casey Dutmer from the Michigan Council of the Blind. He's the president there. So we'll do them in that order. Teresa, first. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, we have learned quite a bit from doing partnerships with lots and lots of different organizations. I'm with Bluegrass Council of the Blind, which is the second affiliate in Kentucky, and we service Central Kentucky, but really um, we actually have a brick and mortar location and um, people come in from many different counties. And so we're able to partner with a lot of different places. One of the biggest things that we've learned from partnering is that relationships and building more, um, as someone mentioned earlier, the networking, building relationships and maintaining those relationships has really benefited us in more ways than just the membership. And one thing I do want to also re reiterate is um, when you're asking companies for sponsorships and you're asking organizations for volunteers, uh, once you get those volunteers and those donations, don't forget to ask those people, hey, do you want to become a member? Um, many of the people that come and volunteer with us turn into people that want to donate and help us financially. And they're also people that want to become a member and serve on our board and help out that way. And if you can connect with um people with all different types of backgrounds, like attorneys and CPAs and marketing executives, it can really help you reach more people, um, not only those that you, you want to become and be a member, but that can help you um, with the organization and managing all of the work that goes along with it. Uh, so we've we've found a lot of great benefits from partnering. And one of the things that we also worked with that hasn't been mentioned yet, and we've we've partnered with a lot of the different places that you all have mentioned, um, universities. We have the University of Kentucky here, and they have uh, something called community service learning, where many different students in different departments and different classes are required to do uh, service hours. And we serve an advisory council for that. We get notified when there's different classes requiring um, volunteer time. And we can reach out to those students or they can reach out to us. We're on their list. And um, one of the great way, things that we've gotten from that, uh, we had a volunteer that spoke Spanish and she translated our uh, web pages and our brochures into Spanish. So that was really helpful for us. Um, another great one 
is asking businesses if they provide paid volunteer time. Another great partner we have is Clark Material Handling, which is a local company that um, pays their workers for two days of volunteer time a year. And so we're, again, they create a list of nonprofits that need help, and we're on that list. And people will call us and say, hey, I need to volunteer. Um, And now we actually have a contact there that every month she calls us and says, how many volunteers do you need? And what do you need us to do? And she finds them and uh, schedules them. And they get paid to do it. So there's a lot of companies out there that will um, provide paid volunteer time. And so that's another great way to partner. And again, it gets the word out about what you're doing and how you're making a difference in the community. And it encourages people to want to get involved. Yes. Um, Our our partnership with Alliance and Dining in the Dark is, uh, is very beneficial because it does help. Uh, people in the community learn from from us that blindness isn't, uh, you know, the end all. Uh, you know, the blindness is is thought to be the one number one fear of many people. That going blind is the end end of useful and productive life. And you know, many people that have come to us uh, and through dining in the dark have come to that realization that. Uh, you know, this has really been very beneficial to them. Uh, we also do uh, a walk for vision in connection with uh, uh, White Cane Safety Day. And uh, that, that, uh, that does get publicity in the community. Uh, so we learned that uh, through, we get a pro- proclamation from the governor, a governor of North Dakota, Doug Burgum, who happens to be running for president. Yeah. And then, anyway, uh, so anyway, we, we um, and we get a lot of publicity. We do get some publicity anyway from, from having this event in connection with White Cane Safety, White Cane Safety Day and uh, that, that uh, people need to be cognizant of people that use a white cane or, or a guide dog for mobility. Um, we do also have uh, an event uh, at, during our convention, uh, a lunch with legislators, and uh, we bring local legislators that in, are in the community to come uh, for a lunch, and we interact with them, and, and uh, they come to know our organization, what we do as far as advocacy. Uh, so. Uh, that's been very beneficial. We've learned that uh, that they come to know us as individuals and uh, and our advocacy goals. So that partnership uh, with uh, with local legislators has been very 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 beneficial to us. So um, and we do also uh, partner with uh, the prote- protection and advocacy uh, with for a legislation. That that is uh, um, up for uh, up to uh, any 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 uh, legislation that affects people with disabilities. We we partner with them, 
and uh, promote uh, that legislation. So, including our, our own. So that's, I guess, what I have to offer. Casey's next. Thank you. My name is Casey Dunmer. I'm the president of the Michigan Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired. <laughs> There's probably a lot of things I could say about this topic, about what we have learned as partnering, working with other affiliates and organizations. Our organization has been involved in the cross-disability movement for a number of years in different ways. We have three chapters, two of them are physically active and one is a phone chapter. One chapter is on the east side and over by Port Huron, Michigan. It's called the Blue Water League of the Blind and the one I'm, I was president of and I'm a member of the Visually Impaired Person for Progress is in the Grand Rapids area. Both chapters have been involved with their um, local advisory committees for their transportation systems. Uh, the Blue Water League is involved with the Chamber of Commerce, and it gets very visible that way. Um, and they've been so effective, they're involved in a yearly parade that's take, that takes place, and they have a float in the parade. Um, on the west side, we, we've worked a lot with Disability Advocates of Kent County, which is our Center for Independent Living. That's, they changed their name a number of years ago. Uh, we've worked with the Lions on helping helping uh, people with their needs, whether it be equipment. Uh, we've worked with the Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired for a number of years and on a variety of things. And we have an executive director now and a, and a well, she was an office manager. I can't think of her title now, but um, they've been very supportive of the needs of the blind division impaired, particularly in the DEIA aspect of everything. But what have we learned from this? Well, in, in the west side of the state, we learned from disability advocates of Kent County, and I'm, and I'm sure that on the, on the other side of the state, the Blue Water League learned the same thing, that we really needed to have our disability partners with us to advocate for such things as trans public transportation, accessible voting, and a number of other issues that come across the disability community. One of the things we found in Grand Rapids that even though that there are all kinds of different disabilities, many of the needs are the same as what we have. Now there are differences and they, they kind of conflict every once in a while, but there's a lot of the same things that they need that we need. So we learned that. One of the things we learned on the west side of the state was how to build a strategy chart, a Midwest Academy strategy chart. And anybody who's ever looked at that knows that there's five different ways, uh, five different elements of a strategy chart that you work with. That's a little more aggressive way of, of, um, of promoting things. But in partnership with the Michigan Commission for the Blind during the 20, uh, when they were a commission, they had a program called Vision 2020. We learned how to dialogue, um, and our state organization was involved with that process. Dialogue is a form of leadership, another way to run a meeting. Uh, it's a little slower process, but it requires a certain uh, structure on how you present your, your subjects and your issues, how to close a meeting or the, an issue and 
how to bring a, a, a vote. Uh, so there's all different ways of dealing with that in the dialogue. I do. I run my meetings sort of like that, but I try to keep the human element into it a, a little more. Um, but the other thing that we learned was that we needed a partner for with uh, other elements like the, the bikers when they wanted bike paths in our area. And we learned that if we supported them, they would support us for more sidewalks. So on 28th Street in Grand Rapids, where we, that's, 28th Street is the second longest east-west uh, street in the United States, and more than half of it didn't have sidewalks. Well, we were able to get seven miles of sidewalks put in. It took us about six or seven years, but we did it. Another thing we learned was patience. When the Michigan Commission for the Blind was uh, disintegrated by an executive order by one of our, or by our previous governor, they were in violation of Public Act 260, which is a state law uh, that protects all the blind programs. That's as far as we were concerned. And we couldn't get anywhere with, uh, with these things. We, our organization negotiated with the state uh, to amend the executive order. We did that. But we still didn't have consumer involvement with the, with, the, with the commission. Now it's called the Bureau of Services for Blind Persons. And uh, our other friends and the other organization thought, well, we can't be nice to them. You be nice to them and see if you can get anywhere. Well, it took me nine years, really 11, but I was in Washington State for a couple of years, so I have to take that away. But nine years of my persistence and my using the dialogue process and making sure I had a constructive conversation. Now, well, and you also have to wait for opportunity. And the governor, our present governor, gave us this opportunity when she said, what's the purpose of the Michigan Commission for Blind Persons? That's what we tried to get amended so we could have term limits and definitions for that advisory committee. Well, because of that, the director didn't want to lose it, so he took me up on, well, let's build something. So we built this consumer involvement uh, committee, and both NFB and MCBVI are involved with it, as well as professionals and other groups. And we're hoping that this will uh, resolve the question that the governor asked, what's the purpose of the Michigan Commission for Blind Persons? So patience is another thing. And so many times we want to have something done quickly. Well, it doesn't always happen quickly. In fact, most of the time it happens pretty slow. So those are just some of the few things that, that uh, we have uh, going on in Michigan, some things I have learned uh, partnering with other entities and organizations. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to, again, allow you to um, ask questions. Or if you have found out a particular aspect of working with partnerships, that you think it might be helpful for others to know, please share that as well. So we welcome your questions and your experiences. All right, Teresa, you may go ahead. Okay, thanks. Um, just adding on a little bit more to what I'd said earlier, as far as what we've learned um, or a benefit of partnering that hasn't been mentioned yet is it gives us more voice and a seat at the table. So, um, 
being involved in the community and with other organizations, we now are able to have a seat on the advisory council for the um, Office of Vocational Rehabilitation. That's the state agency that has the Division of Blind Services, and they serve people with all types of disabilities. Uh, we recently were asked to join um, emergency services in Kentucky to uh, serve on a council there for, uh, let's see, it's called Kentucky Access and Functional Needs Advisory Council. I also, someone just reached out to me from the Travel and Tourism Board and said, we're working on some scenic views and we want to make sure that we include, include people with vision impairments. Um, can we talk to you about how we might incorporate bra uh, Braille or audio um, ways that people can access information through audio for our tours that we're doing? So getting out there, building those relationships and partnering with others um, gives you a voice in the community. We also partner with uh, the the School of Pharmacy at the University of Kentucky. That's a formal partnership where they uh, have cohorts of students um, going through the pharmacy school and each cohort is about 10 students. And as a group, they partner with a nonprofit and they provide service hours and they do a project that will help that organization. Um, our group helped us format a uh, health fair and the health fair was geared towards people with vision impairments. We did it at the local senior center. They gave us space and helped us um, advertise it and market it to the many people that, that come to our senior center. Um, we also partnered with, of course, our Lions Club, and they do a big thing called the Bluegrass Fair. And through the fair, they have a lot of media contacts. So they were always willing to share anything that we're doing and kind of help get that out there in the news media through our Lions Club. So, um, the university, there's many different uh, ways that the university has provided partners. We partnered with the Orientation and Mobility Teachers of the Visually Impaired at UK to do orientation and mobility workshops. They provided the O&M, uh, certified O&Ms and the students. We provided the people that needed extra orientation and mobility um, services, some brush-up courses. Um, one of the most popular was the sighted guide techniques. Many of our members and people in our community wanted the people that they work with and their loved ones to learn more about sighted guide techniques. And so we did some um, clinics for that. So again, it's a great way to not only um, get volunteers, but getting those people involved in our organization to help us complete our mission. Thank you. Curtis, I'll go ahead. Um, so one of the things we've really learned, um, number one, uh, is to use, um, use, a, use our parent organization, ACB, to help us find partnerships. We've been working with a number of organizations trying to get fully accessible vote by mail in Illinois, including uh, ballot return. And um, one, of the, one of the areas that we really didn't have an answer for was um, secure, uh, 
the the um, perceived perception that there's a security issue with that. Well, we were able to, uh, thanks to ACB, partner up with uh, uh, Motor Voter Project and uh, vet- Veterans for Political Innovation and Secure Family uh, Secure Family Initiative. Thank you, Karen, uh, and um, that that helped us to provide some good uh, material and good education. I think what we've learned through um, that partnership too is that uh, it, uh, I think Alan mentioned it is patience. Uh, you're not going to get everything you want right away. We, we, uh, we have a situation in Illinois for voting where nobody has electronic ballot returns. So um, we've, uh, and, we, and yes, we've involved democracy live in a lot of our work as well. Um, but um, they, uh, you know, so to try to get it uh, through that uh, this is a thing, but you know, you got to learn that uh, sometimes you're not first time, you're not going to get what you necessarily get what you want, but you got to keep coming back at them and, and uh, continuing to educate and advocate and um, that hopefully eventually, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get it done. Well, we believe we will. Um, uh, but um, you know, one more thing I just share quickly that we've learned and we'll go to somebody else is that you can't, don't, don't, don't assume that just because an organization maybe wasn't uh, as supportive of your issues in the past that they won't, that they won't be in the future. Uh, one of the organizations that was in our coalition was our largest independent living center, Access Living in Metropolitan Chicago. And they had a reputation as an independent living center that didn't really do a lot for blind and visually impaired people. Uh, however, uh, we approached them about the accessible voting work we were doing, and they were on board and actually provided a lot of good. Um, they're very successful in their advocacy, and in particular, they had contacts with the media and were able to help us with uh, some of that work. Um, I'm Vicki Kennedy, and I'm from the Hawaii Association of the Blind. In the past, when I, I was a fundraising uh, chair for guide dogs for the blind as also for the foundation fighting blindness back in the 90s we always asked the delta gamma sorority because they are the ones who really want to help especially when it comes to blindness so that's just a comment from 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 me okay thank you hi this is michael byington from kansas and I didn't certainly plan to say anything at this workshop because uh, we're losing members right now and needed to get some new ideas. And I thank the people for the ones they presented. Some of them might be of help to us. But I do want to talk briefly about something that we did a few years ago that was successful and also maybe talk about the signs that we should have uh, been more cognizant of that it was not going to last forever. Uh, people have talked about Lions Clubs and various projects with them, but nobody's mentioned golf tournaments. And in our area of the state where our offices are, the capital city of Topeka, there are quite a number of golf courses, and there was a number of older Lions Clubs. By older, I mean the members were all uh, usually retired and so on. And they all played golf. 
And they were looking really for an organization in addition to the Lions that they could partner with to do a golf tournament to raise money that was then split by the Lions and our Kansas affiliate. And we called it the Eyes Wide Open, which I thought was catchy at least. And we got some very good publicity with it for a number of years. And the way it kicked into membership was largely the publicity of people knowing that we were out, out there. Uh, some of the Lions did choose to join. Others did not. But many of those Lions, quite frankly, because they were older, were beginning to have vision issues. And they really appreciated that. And for a time... Uh, both our membership roles and our treasury was expanded by that event each year. We had to work on it with the Lions. I can remember many a hot day out doing the uh, some kind of a hole contest on one of the putting greens. Uh, I ended up investing in a set of golf clubs myself, which are now moldering in my garage. I don't think I've played golf since uh, that tournament kind of went under. But the reason it went under, and this is something to watch, is the Lions Club were ha was having some of the same problems that our organization was in that the members were getting older and older and older, and they were not uh, getting new members in. So eventually, everybody in our group and their group got too go old to get out there and run the greens anymore. So uh, it, it was a great thing for a few years, but nothing lasts forever. And thank you. Thank you, Michael, for bringing that up. At um, our latest, um, the um, RSVA um, uh, Sagebrush National Conference this past year uh, partnered up with the Blind Golfing Association. And they're around the country. They have <clears throat> different um, affiliates throughout the country. And they partnered with us to do a golf training on the day at the end of our conference. And they called it, You Don't Have to See It to Tee It. And uh, they're uh, planning to do it again this coming uh, sagebrush. So I think uh, we need to just really think about all the possibilities out there and learn how we can work together. And I know RSVA has also partnered up with Toastmasters, and there is a VIP, a visually impaired Toastmasters group in Florida. And I know that um, other Toastmasters don't always have all of their stuff in accessible format. Well, we didn't know that until they talked to us about um, speaking at one of our conferences. And so I know sometimes you find out about partnerships and projects by accident, but the more we're out there and visible, and one of the ways we can be visible is by giving awards to people. I know several states give awards to the, a good legislator who's I worked on a bill that was um, for us, and we've done that at the national ACB level too, give an award, and that gets out in the press. Uh, we could do contests. I know uh, one affiliate I belong to several years ago did a children's drawing uh, contest where uh, we went and spoke to um, you know several schools and asked the children to draw a picture of a blind person um, doing something or whatever of their own creativity. And then we gave an award. So we got on TV to share, you know, who got the award and what the prize was, et cetera. 
So you have to kind of use your imagination how to get your name out there. And once you get your name out there, then it's a lot easier to find partnerships too. Because if they've never heard of you or don't even know that you exist, it's really hard to get them interested in even partnering with you. Teresa? I'm wondering, um, what about people, what about groups like Knights of Columbus? I know they're, uh, you know, affiliated with the Catholic Church, but they do golf tournaments quite a number of times to raise money. And if we could, you know, places, different blind organizations could partner with them. Yeah, sometimes you can work with them like on a fish fry or something like that. Teresa Thomas? Well, I had lowered it because her her summary kind of covered what I was getting ready to say. And that was, um, don't always think about asking other organizations for help. Get out there and offer help. Offer to serve on a, a committee. Um, one of the things we have a seat on is the Mayor's Commission for People with Disabilities um, if you see other organizations like the Lions Club doing things, offer to help them, see what you can do to help them. Um, so you're not always asking for money or volunteers or help, but you're also offering it. Our Lions Club does, again, the Bluegrass Fair, and we provide volunteers to go out there and and help in various ways, even if it's just wiping down tables after the volunteers eat Um there's lots of different things that that we can do, taking tickets, bringing dinner, um, doing helping with the hearing screenings. So don't just ask for help, but offer help. And and that gets visibility out there for what you do. Um, civic organizations, like she mentioned, the, the Knights of Columbus, there's a long list of, of civic organizations and one that you may chuckle at, but we partner with a lot that help us out here. Um, are the the parrot heads that's the jimmy buffett fan club but it's also very civic oriented they provide a lot of volunteer hours for us and help with fundraising uh there's the junior league of lexington it's a women's group um but there's all kinds of civic organizations just looking uh we have the kentucky colonels uh of course, your Rotary, Kiwanis, things like that. Those are all great agencies and organizations that you can reach out to and maybe start with, hey, how can we do a presentation? Can we talk to your group and help you out? And is there anything, you know, we can do for you and start that communication? This is Colette Arvidson. And two of the places that we've really been active in in Washington Council of the Blind One is Department of Services for the Blind. Working with them in their youth program, we asked them if we could partner about probably about five, six years ago on a special youth track during our state convention where we geared things just toward the kids and worked with them. And that's resulted over the years. They they fund about uh, 10 to 25 kids every year to come to that. And this year, for the first time, our Department of Services for the Blind funded three teenagers, two parents, and four of their staff to come to this convention, including all of their costs, their hotel, their airfare, registration, and meals. And so we're hoping to make that even because we've gotten good cooperation and help with from you, yeah, next gen and youth students, that's they'll keep coming back every other year here. And the other areas with, uh, I know people have talked a lot about lions, 
Well, about in 2020, a number of us who were with the Council of the Blind and were lions put together a request to have a committee, committee that goes across all of Washington State, Northern Idaho, and British Columbia. And we told them we wanted to be the Knights of the Blind, and they approved us. Although some said, well, what do you mean Knights of the Blind? We all are. And basically, our theme is that this is Lions continuing Helen Keller's challenge, empowering blind abilities through access, inclusiveness, and technology. And in this last couple of months, six months, we've had the opportunity working with people at the council, along with Lions, to speak to over 600 kids in groups of 20 at a time and letting these third graders hold a white cane in their hand, close their eyes, understand what how to talk to somebody who's blind and what to do. It's also helping us educate many of those lions who not, are not yet aware. As much as they love doing things for the blind, many of them just don't know how or where to do it. Thanks. Um, one, more, one more here. Um, uh, our Chicago chapter has actually gotten new members by doing this. They have uh, done presentations at both our adult training center, Illinois Center for the Rehabilitation Education, uh, as well as um, a home for the blind in Chicago called Friedman Place. And uh, they have gotten several members of their chapter through um, going out and doing presentations at those uh, facilities as well. So uh, it's a good way. One of the things that uh, I, I have encouraged them to do is, especially with students at the training center who uh, are there and then may go back to their home communities in other parts of Illinois, especially if there's a chapter in their areas to kind of to encourage them to to join that chapter once they get back into their home communities as well. That hasn't been quite as successful, but uh, uh, we're continuing to work at that. Yes, this is Alan. Um, we do offer uh, an outstanding Lion of the Year award, and that is that letter uh, to them for nominating uh, a member of their club. To this for, for this award is, is sent out in advance of our convention, and and we uh, we get a lot of uh, clubs to do uh, send a, in a, a letter uh, nominating one of their members, and it's you know it's a way of uh, not only advertising our collaboration with the Lions, but also recognizing their their work with us. So it's uh, it's 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 been. A, very positive thing for us to do in in recognizing their commitment to us so and we also do a, a disability awareness day with uh, the north dakota disability advocates consortium during the legislative session so all the members of the consortium have booths at the as during the legislative session so you know we we are part of that and uh, we are recognized as a member organization. So, um, you know, it's, it's a way of, uh, of uh, collaborating with other organizations with disabilities and, and getting our recogni uh, recognition for our organization, what we do. So that's- This is Casey Duckner. One of the things that was it surprising to me this year? Uh, you can find interest in the most surprising places. Um, we had presented to MAER a um, during the COVID a 
recording of what our organizations do, uh, what the history of, of Michigan Council was, what's different today compared to 50 years ago. And uh, I went to their conference, their state conference, and I got a response from a, a lady up in Traverse City, which is in the northern part of the Lower Peninsula. And we used to have an active chapter there a long time ago, but it fell apart. They lost people. But they have 70 members of a support group that uh, they want to see if they can move in a different direction. And uh, so you never know, because uh, it was a couple of members who encouraged us to get more involved with MAER and um, we tried on a couple of occasions with resolutions to get their support, but uh, went to this conference and I got people interested down in the southern part of the state, down by the Indiana border. Um, so, you know, get involved with your um, AER, your state AER pro uh, conferences. You might find somebody there. And um, I remember when these conferences, when these organizations first started, we had a lot of employees of the state and um, as members and some of them uh, gave us information about what we needed and that sort of thing. And some of that because of the times has kind of shifted a bit. Um, and I always tell people, you know, we need you to be a part of us because you wouldn't be here without us and we wouldn't be here with having jobs without your assistance. So we really need one another. So I would encourage people, you know, affiliates that don't have the means to do some of the things that I've been talking about, go to these conferences uh, where these agencies uh, have exhibitors and make your visibility there. Thank you, Casey. I want to make one final comment, and that is to go to schools also and volunteer to speak at your schools. Um, generally, the most receptive uh, classes are second and third grade. And a lot of times those teachers really like it if you volunteer to come and um, speak at their school. <clears throat> it's helpful if you know a teacher, because that's a good inroad into it. But even if you don't, you know, you can always talk to the, the principal or find a liaison that you can get an avenue to get to talk to the kids. Because the kids are so excited when they see all your little gadgets and explain what they do. Um, it's amazing. They just think it's um, fantastic. And um, finally, I just wanted to tell you all that each state and special interest affiliate should have at least one or two people on the membership email list. Now, this is not the membership committee email list. This is a list for membership, and it's for uh, chairs of your membership committees or vice chairs. And we have um, quite a few affiliates. We do have the contact information for your chairperson to add to that list. But we have quite a few chapters we do not. We probably have at least 20 that have not submitted um, contact information for their membership chair or vice chair. So if you have not, please contact me. Um, you have. You can either send me an email at abazin at bazincommunications.com or you can call the national office and they can definitely give you my information. 
And you can always get my information from either one, the national office or the Minneapolis office, or uh, contact the community at acb.org. And any one of those avenues, you can get my contact information. But we really would like you added. That way you automatically get an email telling you about our monthly focus calls. We generally have one every month. And they're on all kinds of topics related to membership. And we really would like to have your participation um, on those calls to listen. And of course, they're podcasted for later, too, if you cannot be on a call. But that list is one way we circulate that. Plus, um, any membership questions you have that come up, um, you can feel free to email that list. So please let us know those. And then I really do appreciate all of you coming to this particular seminar. I think we all learn from each other. I have learned a lot through the years, uh, more from listening than talking, because it gives me thoughts of different things that we can do as well. And if you ever have topics that you'd like us to discuss on our membership focus calls, give those to me as well. We're always open to suggestions. Thank you all very much for coming and have a great rest of the convention.